Hi, this is Jim Barton, and I'm here with... Reverend Abigail Conley. And this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. So um, today we just um, had a live brunch with some folks and talked about um, our topic today, which is consensual sex outside of marriage in the Bible. And um, we're going to go ahead and start today by talking about some of the stuff that the Bible says, which is maybe not super sex positive. Um, so Abby, you want to start with giving us an example? Sure. So we're going to go back to the things that people always go to, just like the clobber verses around homosexuality come from Deuteronomy. So we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 22 to talk about virginity and that social construct. And in particular, we're going to talk about this idea um, that if a woman got married, she had sex with her husband, he was displeased with her for some reason, then he could make a charge that she wasn't a virgin on her wedding night and therefore he had the right to divorce her. And out of that right to divorce her in order to prove that indeed she was, then her parents are charged with um, showing the sheets from their wedding night that had blood on them to prove, yes, she was a virgin and your property was delivered intact. And if they could produce the sheet, what happens? Then they're married and he can never divorce her. Right? And he has to pay 100 shekels to the dad. Right. He has to Not pay. to her, but to the dad, of course. Yes, because... He smirched his manhood in public. And if he's and if and if they're not, if they can't produce the sheet, um, then she's stoned to death on her father's doorstep. So, as they say, that escalated quickly. Right. So that's that seems like a pretty awful um, scripture talking about sexuality and being pretty negative about the idea of sex and anything other than the marital con- context. Right. And in our current world, where abstinence only education, and we always use air quotes with education, that's coming out of this understanding and out of this world, that um, we have to protect, especially women, we have to make sure this is true, and I even think of the youth group lessons that aren't that far away and probably are still going on in churches around us, where you know you get a, a flower and everybody gets to pick off a petal. And that's representing sexual partners. So, look, you only have, like, a raggedy stem then right. to give to your husband. And who would want this? Right. And then we also really need to be sort of straightforward, too, about what Jesus' teachings were on sexuality. Which, when it's social justice, Jesus is, Jesus is my friend, and I'm, I'm loving everything Jesus is saying, right? But when it comes to sexuality, Jesus has some pretty ugly things to say. First off, he talks about lust and okay, I'm okay with lust being a problem and lust is the same as adultery, particularly if we're talking about in the world we live in now, ogling women or like being sort of a creep. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of fine. Um, Or if, you know, women tempt you so much that you just have to rape them, then it really matters that Jesus said, if you lust, just gouge out your eyes. Right, that's that's exactly right. So, however, however, we do have this very weird scripture in um, Matthew chapter 19, where after Jesus said, you can't get divorced, and if you get divorced and you remarry, it's adultery. And his disciples come and say, boy, you might as well not even get married. Which first off, pause there. That's a weird thing to say from a disciple. Oh, you mean I can't get divorced and remarried? Well, I shouldn't even get married at all. Weird. But then Jesus comes up with a topper and says, look, some people are eunuchs at birth. Some people are made eunuchs by men. Others are made eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. If you can handle that scripture, then you should, that path, then you should take it. So I don't know what it means to be made a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. 
But I do know that that is definitely not Jesus having a very open-minded, progressive, sex-positive view of sexuality. Right. And that particular text has meant that people have made themselves eunuchs, literally. Yeah. Because clearly that's the only way you can take care of things. Right. Is... And so we're going to talk in, in future um, episodes about sex and marriage and, and, how to, and what does it mean for that. And so then we'll get into a little bit about, I mean, but Paul certainly has some real negative things to say about sex too, right? You sh- it's seeing sex as a temptation. You shouldn't give in. If, you, if, you have to, if, the, if you're going to have to give in to sexuality, to give in to your sex drive, then it's better to be married uh, than to burn. Right. right? Okay. So particularly, I think, with the first century Christian movement, they were scared of sexuality as a temptation away from complete devotion to Christ. Um, in the Old Testament, we saw... Yeah. It also matters with the complete devotion to Christ that they expect the second return to be imminent. It becomes a lot easier to say you should do this when Jesus is coming back literally any day. And you're not sitting 2,000 years later really glad that all those Christians had sex because otherwise you wouldn't be here. Right. And that's interesting. And we'll talk about that again in the episode about marriage because it turns out that fake Paul makes a real reversal on this whole idea that Paul said about not getting married. So, all right. And in the Old Testament, sex is just what you do with your property that happens to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And so we see a lot of negativity around that. That's the thing about checking for her virginity. That's the thing about in the um, Ten Commandments where it's like, don't covet your neighbor's livestock or wife, right? All right. That. Okay, but that's not the only story in the Bible about sexuality, right? It is not the only story. And I think it matters to say we started with those stories because those are the ones we hear. Those are the ones that are informing the craziness out of Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi and Kentucky and all of those things. That's these interpretations that are so scared of sexuality and also view women as property. Because both of those things are exactly what the abortion abortion debate is about. Right. It's about sexuality should be punished mm-hmm. and it's about women do not have autonomy over their bodies. And so it is about I need offspring to inherit my property. Right. Because we could talk about white supremacy in relation to everything about all of the abortion laws as well. Because this is the only place where rights of the father are are concerned is well that's my child and i have to give my consent right or you shouldn't be able to do this because that's my child so So, that's its own bit of so let's talk a little bit of anecdote to that anecdote to that to the uh to the um really sort of hateful stuff we've been talking about and the first one i want to talk about is the story of ruth so in the story of ruth it's very important to notice that first off as we mentioned so Ruth and Naomi are, Naomi is the mother. Ruth goes to live in the same country. I mean, and I'm doing that, how am I doing that backwards? Naomi's from Israel. Right. Her sons. Are go, from Israel. Are from Israel. They marry Mo. one of them marries a Moabite. I don't remember which uh-huh. Virgo was. They both die. Yes. And then she says to her daughters-in-law, you can go back. You to go your back. Life. Yeah. So they don't she but Ruth decides to stay. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it twisted before. So yeah. So they're in Israel to start. The Moabite Ruth is living in Israel with think, Naomi. Sorry. No, I think they were living in a foreign land. Okay. And she says you can go back to your family and I'm going I'm gonna back. I'm going to go back to, to my family. Yeah. All right. So off they go. 
first off, it's important to note, we'll talk about this later too, it's like same-sex relationships. It's interesting. It may or may not be sexual. I don't know that necessarily we'd say it's sexual, but Naomi and Ruth are a same-sex relationship where that is put above sexuality with Right, and there is a sex. pledge to each other. And your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Right. It starts out, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God shall be my God. So there is a covenantal language there and language that mirrors what we understand marriage in the ancient world to be. Right. Because when you marry someone else, you usually have to find out about whose household gods you're following. Ruth says, I'll give up mine and right. take on yours, as I did when I married your sons. So, so that matters. Right, it matters. So off they go. They're living. They're super poor. They're gleaning the fields, which is where they pick up the leftover grain. And uh, this guy, Boaz, is the owner of the of the land or whatever. And he kind of takes a liking to Ruth. Mm-hmm. He tells his workers, even, leave a little extra. Don't stop her. Let her do whatever. Um how she's looking for food. And um, Naomi says, hey, I can't help but notice that Boaz seems to be into you. Turns out I'm related to him, so he could actually have a claim to marry you. Do this. When he goes to the threshing floor, wait till he's had a little something to drink, see where he goes to lay down. You go to him. Oh, before you go, put on some nice perfume, do your hair up nice, make yourself look real good. And then go, it's in there, don't laugh, it's in the the story. And then go there, uncover his feet, if you know what I mean, and lay at his feet. He will tell you what to do. So she does that. They have sex, obviously. They have a night together. She leaves before anyone can see it, right? She leaves before people can recognize each other. And then through other machinations, they end up married. Everybody lives happily ever after. P.S. She is in the line of David, which means that she is in the line of Christ, right? Yep. So that's sex outside of marriage. Um, it's involves sensuality. It's not. It's not for procreation. She didn't go have sex with him for the purpose of procreation. Right. It is sex without virginity because she was married before. That's right. Um, and in the whole shame and honor and what this matters, that matters too. Um, I think the thing about you know that obviousness is when we. I worry about Ruth and getting repainted as seductress. Yeah. Um, of oh poor Boaz when it's like, yeah, Boaz had sex with her too. This is this is a mutual thing going that's on. True. Here. Um, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, I think she is being seductive. Yes. Um, but yeah, she, it's not like he had no part in it. Right, and it he has two. the power to say get out of here. That's right. In a different way. Right. Um, but anyway, that's a story that turns out positively. Um, the other, if we're going to talk about sexuality in the Bible, we have to talk about a Song of Songs. Right. And you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so Song of Songs is so named because it is supposed to be the best of the songs. It's not just a song, it is the song of all songs, which I think matters when you were talking about this erotic book, that this is how it is, is um, understood. So erotic, in fact, that for many, many years, like you had to be 30 before you got to read Song of Songs. Um, this wasn't something that young rabbis in particular were allowed to read on their own. So that matters as well. And it's the story of a woman and her lover, their conversation back and forth in poetry, and friends chiming in every once in a while. Um, 
it's the story of how much they want each other, what they would like to do with each other, and where they would like to meet that ends with people being really threatened by this and beating her over her deciding to go out. And in spite of their attacks, she chooses her lover. Right. Not her husband. Right. Um, her brothers so, would really like it maybe if this man became her husband, right. but... But she's... but. She, she has autonomy over herself like right. you talked about it's my vineyard I'll do with it as I please right which that's amazing when you think about the age of this this work of art um give you just so the listener can hear that we're not just making this shit up it's um I have this is from the Song of Songs I have taken off my robe must I put it on again I have washed my feet must I soil them again my lover thrusts his hand through the opening my heart began to pound for him I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. So, I mean, that's erotica. Yes. I mean, that's that's not, I mean, this isn't, I mean, I, the, any kind of, I don't know, you, actually talk, anything can be metaphor, I suppose, but my goodness, when you talk about, I mean, that's the church's opening as the, as the, if, uh, if, if we do Christology, that's, that's Jesus putting his hand in the opening of the church. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know I if that works. I am not familiar enough with my Christological reading of Song of Songs to give us detailed reasons why. But yeah, I mean, it is the description of her breasts and what I would like to do with them. Right. And hey, they're like fruit. Well, what do you do? You eat fruit. Right. I mean, it is the like, oh, this isn't, this isn't the double entendre or the, the pun that is so obviously missed. It is the like... Oh, yeah. yeah. We want to have sex with each other. And so, so we have that. And I, I think before we leave it, we also should point out that in Genesis, in the, both creation stories, in the first creation story, men and women are created at the same time and are told to go forth and multiply. Not to get married, not to do a ritual, but to multiply. Now, that's sex in the, in the, in the construct of uh, reproduction, but nonetheless, it's a very primal, here are humans, go multiply and in the garden before the fall right after the fall you have hierarchy after the fall you have the woman is going to love the man even though there's going to be childbirth pains right all that's after the fall before the fall they stood naked in front of each other and they weren't ashamed there was no there wasn't shame right and frankly that kind of makes sense if you think about animal kingdom and sex and animal kingdom and like why is it so weird in our world Right. It's not crazy you would try to explain that with a creation story. Right. And so as we're as we're working in reconstructing a different theology, yeah, we can say the hierarchy is a result of the fall. That this becomes woman as property and subjugation and the man rules over her. And so it is now our work as Christians to undo that and yeah. to create equality and egalitarian relationships again because that subjugation is the result of the fall. Much of Christian history has said the fall was they had sex with each other and it undid everything. Right. Now, but that's not what Genesis says. It's not what Genesis says. Yeah. And so I think so I think from Genesis, from Song of Songs, to a lesser degree, but I think it's also there in Ruth, we also see the idea of sex as being something valuable, something that maybe something even sacred, something that's important and special. Um, I think um, I'm trying to look at the the person who is the author of uh, the carnal knowledge of God, Rebecca Vocal. 
you know, she talks a lot about that, about sex as a, a she really is concerned with it, get over this idea that's, that the that the soul is somehow separate from the body, mm-hmm. right? That, that we have everything that's done to us is done to our body. Everything right. that's done by us is done by our body, right? So, so we have that. But then the other kind of cool thing that I think we can develop out of this, and you were talking about this, is we got from the book uh, A Lily Among the Thorns by Miguel de la Torre, talking about familiar relationships and how we can, how all these come together to talk about, to talk about that. You want to say something about that? Yeah, so I think often Christians especially get tripped up with marriage talking about covenant only and understanding that as contract, which is definitely rooted in that world of women as property and pe- and this is a transfer of property. Even the giving the bride away at the wedding, let's be clear, that has roots in being transfer of property directly from father to husband. And when we talk about familial relationships, we're talking about relationships born of care and love and affection and that will carry forward beyond um, just sex, but including sex. And so when you're talking about two people who hooked up at the bar, well, that's problematic if you have a one-night stand with someone at the bar. If you have been dating someone for several months and, you know, hey, we're going to Christmas together and I invited your parents over for a birthday celebration and we have the semblance of, like, I'm honoring the relationships that matter with you. We're creating something else between us. That's a very different thing that we're talking about um, when we talk about sex. It's not sex inside of marriage, but it's also creating something else and honors that, um, that command to be fruitful and multiply, that somehow it honors this thing that creates something else. And we see it in these stories that we've just told, right? Because we see, we see it in the creation story. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. Like that idea that it's a goal to work for, that sort of pre-fall uh, kingdom is that we can have that expression with each other. It's the idea that we saw with the beloved and the lover, and it's the idea... I mean, frankly, Ruth and Boaz weren't... Like you said, they weren't just hooking up. Right. And that wasn't the it intent wasn't, None of these were a booty call. Right. Um, but there was something special there, but it was not necessarily condoned by the patriarch or condoned by the society, which is something we'll talk about, too, when we talk about uh, the queer theology. Uh, where's, we, where, where's queer theology? Uh... uh how do you say that? Tonstad? Tonstad? Whatever, close enough. T-O-N-S-T-A-D is the author of Queer Theology, where she talks a lot about, about how the idea of faith is, or the queer theology is about we get our relationships out of being approved by other people. Right. And all these that we talked about are not about being approved by other people. They're about being participating in the gift that is our bodies and in sexuality. And that isn't, that's something that is found in the scripture and we can and we can be mindful of that as much as we can be mindful of some of the prohibitions and rules and stuff that we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. And I think with that same thing, going back to Song of Songs Matters, um, one of the very kind of, I think the things that Christians don't talk about is number one, consensual sex. We're doing better about talking about that. But there's also in Song of Songs the ask for what you want and that matters in cultivating healthy relationships that matters in so many ways when i do um, premarital counseling or counseling with couples often my first question is well did you tell the other person that any of what you told me and the answer almost across the board is well no well 
that's an unhealthy relationship. Right. You can get healthy relationship, but that matters in sex. That also matters in sitting across the table from each other and saying, hey, you know what? I really don't like your meatloaf. Can we never have that again? I mean, again, it's being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's being naked without being ashamed. It's, I mean, Ruth asked for what she wanted, uh-huh. and the lover and the beloved asked for what they wanted. That's yeah. all, it's all part of a good, healthy, um, familial relationship, not right. necessarily a covenant contract relationship. Right, and something that will carry them forward beyond the moment of sex. Yeah. And continue and create more healthy things. Yes. All right. Well, I think that's a. I think we've done a good job of covering these these topics. This has been um, talking about sex, consensual sex, which we have to say consensual because we're going to have a whole episode about non-consensual sex. Right. And let's be clear that for the day-to-day way that we live, sex always means consensual, and anything else is rape. It's just rape, yeah. And we should be clear to say that up front that we are framing this in some Bible stuff that is very weird. <laughs> yes. But in our world, there is sex and <laughs> there is rape. Sex and rape. Thank you. That's a good point. Um, and, um, but next time we're going to talk about, uh, marriage and sex and marriage. And, um, the good news is there's lots of crazy shit in that too. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, um, I think that covers this then. So, uh, until next time, cheers.